0: This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Yield App, Cosmos Ecosystem, and Paraswap. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. What is up, everyone? I am Charlie Shrem, and you are watching and listening Untold Stories, where twice a week we get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders to find out how this movement really came to be. And we're really uh, uh, honored today to have uh, Munir Ben led, I hope I pronounce it the right way. I always try to do it, but Munir, you are the founder and CEO of Paraswap. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Well, thanks, Charlie, for having me. Very happy to be here.
0: So the, the, I like to like, sometimes I'll give a little bit of an intro. Sometimes I'll, I'll introduce the guest, but I wanted to introduce you because, because Paraswap is becoming that connective tissue. And so Let everyone let that sink in for a second, like understand how the body works, understand the connective tissue and why it's important, understand how everything relates together and how your muscle tissue and how, uh, 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 a lot of these things are constantly changing and adapting to our bodies. Right? So just remember that for a second and then understand that this industry is getting so complex all the time, uh, very complicated. I was just explaining to someone this morning, someone who works in this industry as an analyst, he was like to me, Charlie, I have no way to keep my finger this it's growing so quickly. And I said, if I, if I wasn't doing this show five days a week, I would have no way of understanding what's going on and how complex. And so one of the things that I've been doing is, uh, try to like take information and everything and categorize it. And Munir, tell me if like, this is a good way to see, I'm taking every, Every business or every project in the industry is. I'm broiling it down to two things. They are either what they're what what we're seeing now coming come out of it is either like all new blockchains and eco or blockchain ecosystems where you have like many many companies that launch on a certain blockchain and act within a certain federation of like 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 Cosmos is a good example of that. You have Cardani, have other the other ones, and you have Casper. Then you have like a lot of these products or these. Um, infrastructure, as i like, as like to say. But the infrastructure that's launching is largely like now blockchain agnostic, where they're saying, hey, we're going to be the connective tissue. We're going to be these businesses that operate and connect everything all together. But there will be thousands of blockchains down the road. And so it seems to me that PowerSwap launched to be like that, that type of connective tissue for all of these type of blockchains together. And just... Simply the fact like what, you know, the products that you bring to market that enable the user who are using these blockchains like myself on an everyday basis, like that's so important what you're doing. So so, thank you for coming. Is that a proper way to describe it? Bring it all together?
1: Yeah, I like it. It's very original. I mean, it's, it joins the, our long term vision of why we're doing all of this and why we believe uh, that the future. Will run, I mean, the future of uh, trade, you know, like value exchange will run on thousands of blockchains and there should be a way to connect all this blockchain and facilitates this value movement and value exchange. Yeah, but I like the very much the way you, you described it. It's very, it's very interesting.
0: Most of these uh, projects that I'm investing in personally and you have like so many new blockchains launching... L- What I'm seeing more of now are like forward thinking, like this is what it will do. This is what we can do with this. If people, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, PowerSwap, what you did originally, essentially launching is you built a product for for the user of the now, right? Like, for example, right now I can go on and if I want to go from one token to another token, convert that into, and that token only trades with USDT and I want to convert that into USDC, and deposit it to another wallet, I could identify these parameters and then your smart contract just does it all in one shot for me instead of needing to do 50 different Uniswap transactions. Everyone who's listening is like nodding their head and saying, yes, how do you create forward thinking products, but also create products for the users of the now?
1: Yeah. So I think it joins the principles of building a business. I mean, in general, not necessary to the, to the blockchain or building a startup in, in the tech. You should always have a long-term vision but also you should be connected to the reality and to the current users and iterate, uh by giving the feedbacks of those users and answering the current market needs and iterating because even though we think that the future will tend to that to, to where we would like it we'd like to see it um, but it's not happening yet uh, so we need to get there and we don't know how it's going to happen uh today we, we think that. Um, future value exchange would happen uh, on public blockchains and that real-world assets will, will be tokenized and so on. But we have no idea on how this would look like. So we need to figure out this over time by iterating and by building what's necessary today. Because the needs of today are quite big and quite significant. And as, as you described, for a simple use case, I just want to swap an ETH for a DAI. And where is the best price? Where should I do it? Maybe if I go to Uniswap, it's not giving me the best price. Uh, let's do it in Paraswap, but it's joined this long-term vision. Right now we are running on a single blockchain on multiple DEXs. Tomorrow we'll be running on multiple blockchains and multiple DEXs. So it's, it's, it's a it's a, nec- it's a second iteration. Uh, and I think this is the best way to build and products who have done it this way. And I think the first one is Bitcoin, right? Because it was there. It was serving its purpose and it was usable from, from day one. And it's, and it's now the biggest, uh, I would say, digital currency in the world.
0: That's, that's such a true statement because just thinking back on how, the first time I ever used Bitcoin, if I couldn't use Bitcoin the first time I heard about Bitcoin, I remember being able to, to use it, you know, be able to just download the software, go on the forums and say, hey, this is my address. Someone send me some free Bitcoin, which people would do at the time. Can't do that anymore. I wish. But you're right. Like it was usable. So how can you launch something or build something that's not usable from day one uh, to the extent that, like, everyone expects it? The guy who works down the hall here or down the work from your office, too, or the girl, they're going to want to be able to, to have access to, to this whole industry. They're going to be able to do things. And when, I, when you have to sit and explain to them sometimes how this all works, the, that user experience, if it's bad, you're going to just lose people. And that's what happened in 2017, 2014 all the bull and bear markets. So what is your mission?
1: Yeah, so I mean, to, to re- restate, I, I try to, to do it in a more creative way. Um, but yeah, it's exactly as I said, uh, I think it's inevitable that uh, blockchains will be the main uh, connector of value exchange. So tomorrow, uh, you can imagine easily selling a Tesla share for a stable coin and depositing the stable coin on a compound or AVE or any lending protocol uh, in a single transaction, and we want to be uh, this uh, middleware that facilitates this. You know, in travel industries, you have the Expedia, Booking.com, who are the aggregators that facilitate the access to 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 users for booking tickets, and you have the airline companies, the Air France, uh, Air America, and so on. Sure. And between those, there is a layer between codes or a middleware that connects both, like connects these UIs and connects those, you can see it as like a parallel infrastructure product, which are airline companies. And we are, or we want to be this middleware, like there are like two, three big companies in the world. One of them is called Amadeus that creates this connection, that creates this aggregation layers that runs those complex uh, optimization algorithms that like does all this, I would say hard work of providing value for both parties. Airline companies, they want uh, passengers, they want uh, to sell tickets. And uh, the the aggregators, they want to propose the best user experience for the users. Uh, we want to be in the middle. So this, that's why we see ourselves mostly as a middleware. And we think uh, the future of value exchange will look exactly like that. So today, these guys, uh, they excel in moving object from point A to point B. We want to be the ones that will move value from point A to point B except that we are, we want to do it instantly. So it's mostly could look like an Uber than an airline company, but yeah, it's something in the middle.
0: DeFi, 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 you keep hearing me talk about it and we know at the same time that the stock market is at record highs, but the economy is broken in recession. Government debt is off the charts. They're printing trillions of dollars. We need a new financial system, and I've been talking about it. We've all been talking about it, decentralized finance. We know that, too. We know that there's like $40 billion in value sitting in all these DeFi protocols, and it's barely a year old it's new decentralized finance and it's brilliant and it works and there's a lot of money to be made in things like yield farming being able to provide liquidity but a lot of them are high risk there's scams and rug pulls that are so common to investors we don't want to repeat what happened a few years ago in the crypto space but what if there was a way to access those DeFi yields in a safe and transparent way? Well, I have the CEO, Tim Frost of Yield.app, my newest sponsor on the show. Listen to that show and check out Yield.app because here you have this team that is constantly filtering through all these DeFi investments. They're consolidating your gas fees and they're only investing in a select few that generate more than 20%. But their risk is not, they're not just investing in these tokens and waiting for them to do well. They're also providing liquidity. They're doing yield farming. All these low risk, high investment to make the uh, infrastructure more efficient and better. So not only are you are investing and making money, but you're also helping to grow this ecosystem. Make sure you check them out at yield.app. That's yield.app. And listen to the Untold Stories with Tim Frost, the CEO. If you have not already started exploring the land of Cosmos and their whole ecosystem, make sure you start checking them out now. There are so many projects and blockchains that are launching in the Cosmos ecosystem using the Tendermint SDK, including actually our sponsor Kava Labs are in there using their decentralized protocols. And one of my favorite things about Cosmos is the fact that all blockchains that launch in their ecosystem come with this inter-blockchain interoperability, IBC that really allows all companies and products and individual blockchains within Cosmos to not only work together, but all out of the box, interact with each other. You really need this from the start because imagine if from the start, all blockchains can talk and work with each other in a decentralized way. Well, that's what Cosmos is doing from the get-go. Make sure you listen to uh, an awesome episode I did on here on Untold Stories with the Tendermint CEO, Peng Chong. It was really, really awesome. And I learned a lot about not only crypto and blockchains, but just life in general. Make sure you check them out at untoldstories.link forward slash Cosmos. That's untoldstories.link forward slash Cosmos. The biggest problem with DeFi today, as we know it, is there are simply no aggregators or way to bring all of this information and data together so we can trade off of it. We're going to Uniswap and we're clicking sell, sell, sell or buy, buy, buy. I mean, imagine staying up till two o'clock in the morning just so you can make a trade. The folks at Paraswap, my newest sponsor, are doing exactly that. They are the fastest and most liquid aggregator on the Ethereum blockchain. They've built a state of the art algorithm that aggregates all the major decentralized exchanges in order to beat the market price. They are willing to offer you on your first swap a 50% gas refund. Check it out in the show notes. I mean, there's no reason not to use PowerSwap. It's the same thing as using any of these other sites, but you're getting a better price, zero slippage, better swap, safer, faster, more secure. Uh, what's, what's the downside? There is none that I could think of. And you're getting your first swap 50% gas fees paid for. It solves every problem that I could think of. Make sure you check them out. They're my sponsors. I love them. And I love them even more that they're pushing crypto forward. Do you see like the ability for us to, um, if you have like a retirement account and you want to get a mortgage, you can tokenize your retirement account, borrow against your house, but then be able to transfer collateralization, be able to take any asset and, and tokenize it and have that relationship in between. What's stopping us from doing that now? How come we haven't jumped that, that gap yet?
1: Well, I think there are already some research happening on the traditional finance side. I mean, it's not my, really my expertise, uh, but having some discussions with some people working in finance who are looking into this DeFi infrastructure and how this can bring, I mean, how can they replicate the DeFi experience on the traditional financial system? Uh, I don't know if this is the right question to, to ask in their, in their perspective. Like, uh, for us, like as, as a crypto native or DeFi native, how about just joining the DeFi and using Compound and Aave and so on? I think the most realistic scenario will be somewhere in the middle. Um, these guys things take too long for them, uh, for some good and bad reasons. I would say good reasons are anything related to security because we are dealing with trillions of dollars here. Uh, which is orders of magnitude higher than what we have so far in, in DeFi and crypto ecosystem, but also I would say the organization of the structures are too complex and too old to be mm. able to yeah. scale and jump to a new system like uh, what we have right now.
0: That's the biggest problem too. You're right. Like let like just simple like land records and things like that. It's such a fractured title title insurance. You know you have, when you buy a house. I don't know how it is in France, but if you buy a house here, you have to pay someone a lawyer. $2,000 just to make sure that you actually, like the person selling it to you actually owns that house where it can be searched, but there's like a title, title search. It's a whole thing. And it's, it's a little bit of a scam. Um, but you know, there
1: are, there are, excuse me, there are some projects who all are like in the real estate and in DeFi from day one, like Realty, if you yeah. happen to use it before. So they are, I mean, there are things that, Cannot be changed like anything related to regulations and KYC and so on. And it's interesting they are doing this. And at the same time, you get a tokenized uh, ticket for your your share on a on an apartment directly on Uniswap and can be traded on Uniswap. and gets, I mean, the best of all words like the rent, the value of, of your of your goods, but also the trading fees of Uniswap, the tokenization of Uniswap. I think it's a, that's maybe a good example for, to start with.
0: But you're right. That's that's definitely that's definitely a big a big part of it. And I wanna I wanna ask you. So like you you work in in DeFi every day, and this is something that you understand to, to a very, very deep, uh, deep sense. You understand how like a lot of a lot of tokens have value because of of the belief system behind it. So if like you were to uh use a stable coin or like maintain a, a six figure amount in stable coins or seven figure amount in stable coins. Would you trust a decentralized stable coin over like a centralized stable coin that's at least issued by, you know, like a a bank in in Europe or or the US or something like that?
1: Uh, I mean, personally, I would trust more a trustless system or a decentralized system, Uh, although it comes with some risks, uh, Mm. like technical risks, but, I feel like there's more security in those systems than in the traditional system. What will stop tomorrow? Uh, out a new governments to just come after USDC or USDT and just shut them down, or yeah, you're right. even some some partially decentralized uh, stable coins where some kind of regulations will come after them and will make them under collateralized and so on. When it's over collateralized. Uh, given that the code is correct, or like the technical risk is in, is minimized, I would trust, or tend to highly trust more the decentralized system than a centralized.
0: Which which decentralized stablecoins are doing the best job right now?
1: It's hard to say. I mean, it used to be Dai at some point yeah, because Dai was a big purely, one. Yeah. yeah, it was completely decentralized. Uh, that was really good. Now it's partially decentralized, but I would say it's highly controlled because the, the code that's running behind, like the, the the structure of Dai, is still quite interesting. Uh, but it's arguable because some people mm. think it's not really decentralized. But you can also look at those uh, semi, I mean, uh, algorithmic stablecoins. Uh, the algorithm,
0: who- the algorithmic, the algorithmic ones are the ones that scare me a little bit the most because. Yeah. They rely on like illiquid baskets. That uh, I guess they're just. It's still. I think. I think. De- Listen. I'm. I'm gonna be the first person to use on a large scale. On a. On a scale, any of these technologies. I was one of the first. You know, as soon as decentralized lending came out, I jumped into it at a scale and broke things. And then the industry or those companies had to figure it out because. We were throwing in a large amount. Uh, de- I'm still nervous about decentralized stable coins as long as they've been around because you have episodes like the die happen. Uh, and so I'm wondering if there's like, like you said, like, what, what do these like hybrid decentralized centralized stable coins look like? I wonder if that could be a solution down the road.
1: Yeah. So I'd say they are more decentralized, but the technical risk is more significant, as mm. you, you may be intend to say. Um but I think it's only a matter of time because DeFi is still not perfect because it relies too much, I would say, on the design of a specific team. There are no perfect standards. Uh and I don't know if they they will they will be at some point in the future. But what I can say is maybe there are other solutions like insurance uh who may come and uh, create a balance. So even though um the technical risks will be here forever. But it can be mitigated by uh, bringing new standards and new, I would say, insurance products, which we already, we're already seeing in the market.
0: I want to I wanna, uh, dive in a little bit into a second because you reminded me when you were just saying um, um, that decentralized exchanges, they went from like, being so new to being the standard, I feel like, so quickly. So when EtherDelta, lo- would you agree that EtherDelta was like the first, probably one of the first Decks, right? The first decentralized the first team?
1: known one, yes. The first
0: known one. There, was, and, and there were
1: some before, but it was the first we...
0: How would you like, if you were going to go to the coffee shop and someone hit, Hey, Munir, like, what's the difference between a centralized crypto exchange and a decentralized one? How would you explain it?
1: Uh, well, both are exchanges. Uh, they allow trade, trading of uh, cryptos. Except that uh, decentralized exchanges, they don't hold custody of the funds. So you are, as a user, in control of your funds. You don't have to give away control over your funds to, to a third party. Um, but the innovation, I would say, in decentralized exchanges is, is separation between custody and, and trading, uh, which is not the case of in, in centralized exchanges. Although some try to do it, I think, like Bitstamp, uh, bit they have a third party as a custodial. But it's still a third party. Uh, but in decentralized exchanges, there is no third party at all. It's me as a user trading against a protocol, which is at the end a bunch of smart contracts yeah. and code on the blockchain.
0: So when EtherDelta first launched, it was like so cool because, very simply, I remember being able to just you put in your orders. You have you have you connect your wallet. You put in your orders, and hopefully you know trades happen. But then like. So you said it separates custody and, and trading. How would you describe like, so then it also like broke apart at it. It, it, it ripped apart, not just that, but market making, uh, being able to like provide liquidity. I didn't know this, most people don't know this, but when you have these large centralized exchanges, uh, even going to like, um, these places, like, you know, you look at the NASDAQ or you look at various, uh, um, um, stock markets around the world. They have liquidity providers too. You have investment banks, you have these underwriters, you have market makers. There is a whole just multi trillion dollar industry around the world. And so now, what decentralized exchanges is, it took that section, allowed anyone, allowed you to be a liquidity provider. If you're sitting on a lot of a token and Ether or another, it allowed you to be arguably like anyone to be part of Wall Street. Did, did you foresee that kind of happening?
1: I didn't, to be honest. I mean, me neither. Yeah. AMMs, AMMs, AMMs. Uh, the idea of AMMs, I think existed since 2016. Uh, it was, it was, uh, a, uh, blog post from, uh, Vitalik, uh, somewhere on the internet. I don't know where exactly. And talking about AMMs. And it was Bancor was the oh, yeah. first to pick the, the, pick up the idea that Bancor didn't took up until I think 2017 with the ICO craze, uh, where people know about Bancor. Uh but in meanwhile ether delta was the leader. I mean actually uh, Etherdelta was the motivation why I had the idea of Paraswap. But yeah, that's 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 another subject. But I think yes, I think very few people foresaw that if I would say maybe Vitalik and few few folks who, who thought about it before.
0: Well wait, so what was missing with Ether Because this is how our industry has been built built. Like someone falls in love with the industry or falls in love with crypto or Bitcoin or whatever. They try to use it, they see like a void, like a problem or something they need to solve and they built it themselves. So what did you see as a problem with EtherDelta that made you launch PowerSwap?
1: Yeah, well, I was a big user. Yeah, I was a big user of EtherDelta. I was using it all the time, especially because in 2017, you know, with ICOs, you don't get liquidity immediately. If you buy into an ICO, you have to wait for it to be on an exchange, to be able to trade it and so on while it was quite immediately on Ethereum, It was like the Uniswap of the time. Yeah. and uh, But the UX was really, really not good. Uh, it was too slow. And uh, all transactions were happening on-chain. So just to place an order, you have to make a transaction to cancel an order. I mean, it was too expensive at the time. The gas was expensive, but in the standards of that time. So when it was 50 guay, it was expensive, which is like 10 times cheaper than now. Um, so the idea was solving the UX side was building a better Ether Delta, like a better decentralized exchange that can be used by anyone. That was the early idea I got in 2018, late 2018. Um, but by starting working on it, uh, this is where Bancor, Kyber, um, what else Uniswap? Yeah, there was a lot of up.
0: rapid development in this industry very quickly.
1: Uh, yeah, within a very short period of time, uh, from late 2018 to early 2019, four or five dexes started showing up. like was just created but took the leadership very quickly and others started getting some liquidity. at uh, the time it was very small, but compared to the market was quite high. So I pivoted the idea from building a new exchange because there were there were already exchanges to building a kind of an Expedia uh, so that people will get access to all existing liquidity. Instead of seeing uh each market with the 1 million to 2 million dollars in, in, in liquidity, you will have you will see a single market uh that has $10 million liquidity. Mm. So that was the idea of building a better UI uh, that was only only about UI, and started working on this in May of 2019 um, and launched that and was a naive approach because thinking that in 2019, people would use a decentralized exchange and we'd be looking for UX was a very naive approach. Yeah. So at that time, many people were excited. Yeah, it's nice, it's good, uh, we love it, but really nobody was using it. Uh, and this is where a second pivot came where uh, the product uh, was rebuilt, but only for DeFi users. So it was uh, the target, the target user uh, the target audience was only DeFi users, and that was launched in September 2019. And that was a took up because the quality of the feedbacks we were getting, the quality of the discussions we were having with users was much, much, much better. And I think today that product, that, that first product would have made more, more sense because we yeah. start to see a lot of retail coming to decentralized. The
0: now they are, especially too, and, and they're, they're, they don't know how to use them. So the guy across the hall, would complain to me all the time about Uniswap. And I got him using PowerSwap. Tony, so, so Tony's listening to the show, loves PowerSwap. <laughs> Carrie, too, loves PowerSwap. Everyone in the office building loves it because uh, you solved the problem that everyone was having. And so, like, what further features and products are you looking to, to, to bring out? And, and then also, like, uh, another thing that you did that I never realized was how much you saved me on gas Simply on the me having to like approve Uniswap from being trading that one token, like the gas fee, just like approve my wallet from trading a new token. All those times were, were like something with trade because a lot of these tokens only trade in wrapped ETH, you know, and I want to go to, you know, for example, if I need to pay an invoice in USDC, I'm going from token to wrapped ETH to USDT to USDC. It's like five steps and you have to prove it and then deposit into a certain So it's like, what other features are you, are you, um, are you guys looking to bring out?
1: Yeah. So now we started our next, uh, I would say step or like next iteration to future plans, which are cross chain. So, uh, we started building on other blockchains, uh, starting with, uh, sidechains. So uh, we launched the polygon last week. Uh, it's very impressive because it feels like there is no fees. Uh, you pay like, Point, 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 something It's close to zero. Uh, in fees and liquidity, and they are attracting a lot of liquidity right now. Uh, we'll be launching also on many side chains. So in few weeks, we will be on four, five, six side chains, uh, and users can jump from one to the other. Uh, we may bring some bridges. So for instance, you have ETH on Ethereum, uh, but you want to trade on MATIC or Polygon right now. But in one click, you can go from here to there and using our, our aggregator. So for instance, you have, um, Die and you want uh, just the die on polygon, there is a bridge that will create a peg of your die. Yes, but if you want Matic or like ETH on the other side, you can also use Paraswap in order to exchange. Like you will go from die on ETH to ETH on ETH, and then you will go from ETH on Ethereum to the ETH on polygon. So that's uh, that's I would say the next feature we, we're, we're gonna build as well.
0: That's brilliant, that's so that's
1: that, so that, needed, that, yeah. Yeah, that I think is like the first, uh, I would say, puts in, in the future because, uh, right now it will be simple because at the end we are using, we are using, I would say hybrid systems who are not, not 100% decentralized. I mean, they're not controlled by us, but by a network of validators. But in the future, uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, you can trade any asset to any other asset, no matter in which blockchain they are, they, they live. So, so, so that's that's the first step.
0: You know, like the, it sounds all great, but but realistically, how does it happen? So, like when someone when when there's a piece of software, I can write a piece of software in any language, deploy it anywhere, uh, to do anything, and largely, if I write an API that works with the internals of my software and the API allows for for connections, whether it's on JSON, there's largely like a unwritten standard for how api should work all over the world like and doesn't matter even if it's written in in not you know it doesn't matter not just like like programming language but actual languages like like spoken languages whatever um it all connects do we have that with blockchains now like how are they all talking to each other whose responsibility is it to develop that like standard for all blockchains to to be able to talk to each other like on day one out of the box
1: yeah, I'm not really aware of a project that's like uh, having a solution, like a real and concrete solution that can be used uh, out of the bets. And I think it's very hard. So you have Cosmos, Polkadot, uh, who are doing this, but within the Cosmos on the Polkadot yeah. the ecosystem. Um, But something that is more general, I think it's very hard because uh, each blockchain is different. Some are completely different, like a Bitcoin with an Ethereum, sure. uh, different consensus algorithms, different approaches. And not have, one hand not having smart contract, others having complex smart contract infrastructure. So I think it's hard, but definitely necessary. So I mean, all blockchains be...
0: have common functions, though. Like the ability to, even Bitcoin has the ability to like lock transactions for a certain period yeah. of time. So theoretically, yeah. you're right. It's it's so. It's, honestly, this has been a dream of mine for a very long time to be able to to have this type of thing. I think if you can have the ability where like Someone comes along and says, oh, I actually developed a a new way consensus protocol. I want to do like Byzantine fault tolerance combined with like script hash mining combined with like, you know, freaking, I don't know, some crazy stuff, write it all together. But if there was like some standard of how blockchains talk to each other, that would be written in from day one. And then it'll be a lot easier for developers to provide liquidity to write to write programs for people to provide liquidity for these different chains, if that's what was needed. Like, it would be cool to see that. But you're right. It's almost impossible to do right now, at least.
1: We thought about it for um, uh, last summer on potential solutions for us on how this can be done without needing to build a complete, I would say, uh, low level protocol is by using some game theories. For instance, you will have, Hmm. there there are already some some tools, for instance, atomic swaps uh, between a Bitcoin and Ethereum. They work. They're too slow. But they they work. I mean, they are quite secure. And but how about bringing liquidity providers uh, who will have to lock in or stake some some assets? It can be a native token or it can be any, anything like that, and being this middleman, it could work. Yeah, it can be a decentralized network that can facilitate this kind of scenarios. So it, there are a lot of edge cases, and but by some clever game theory, game theoretical approaches. I think this problem can be solved and that could be a first situation. Well, like
0: you use the example like Atomic Swaps and I and I understand because I was very excited about that when that was first conceptualized and some wallets are doing it like Atomic Wallet is doing it. But like, why couldn't a company be that middleman in a decentralized way kind of operate pools now? Like kind of how you do it. When, when you use PowerSwap, it's not going to like the smart contract of the token, for example, it's going to the, the power swap smart contract first. And you guys are all doing all the internals. And I, I see that. And then it's like you maintain pools of different coins and tokens. And that's all. I mean, I could see that happening on different blockchains down the road. I guess it's more like towards the end of the episode where I start talking about what I'd like to see my dreams and stuff like that. Um. Yeah, I mean, no, I so just, we uh,
1: see something like that in, uh, in communication between layer twos. so if you have like an optimism with a zk rollup like a Starkware or something like this, and you want to go from one layer two to the other, there's a project called Connect Network who are trying to solve mm. this problem, but they are using exactly what you said, liquidity providers who will take the funds from here and send it on the other side. So that's um, that's one of the approaches. It's uh, only uh, it works today for transfers. So if you have funds on one layer, two, you want to transfer it to another layer, two, And in the future, they want to generalize that to other blockchains. But that works only for transfers, not for more complex yeah, operations. I know.
0: Yeah, you can't, do, you can't do more complex operations. You can't do... It would be great. Like, if you can figure out a way to do... Uh, it's such an antithesis, but if the, there has to be a way to, to offer some sort of, like, staking on top of Bitcoin to be able to lock in Bitcoin for a certain amount of time and provide decentralized liquidity like you can do with... Ether and some of your tokens—that would be really nice to see. Um, but I know you know things move slow in Bitcoin world. But um, speaking of not moving slow, Paraswap is a fairly young company, and you guys—what you were telling me earlier—you're um, ten people, and you're rapidly hiring. Combining two questions in one. So for anyone who's looking, looking to to be part of an amazing growing team at the ground level, con- contact Munir. Contact their team, and uh, the contact information and their link will be in the show notes and everything. Um, but, and you guys attracted like uh, investments from, from like everyone from, from uh, um, blockchain capital and Alameda research and, and um, coin fund and so many different companies. What advice do you have for other founders looking to start in the industry? And at the same time, like what qualities do you look at in people when, when you're interviewing, like, do you look for certain things? Like when you first meet someone like that first impression.
1: Yeah. Uh, I would say, I mean, I don't have something uh, that's new. Uh, I mean, mm. it's, I would say building startup. It's more a lot of common sense that is uh, involved in it. Obviously, it's not uh, that obvious, but uh, for us, though, it is the secret was being as close as possible to users. So I literally still do phone calls or video calls with users. Uh, we still to understand deeply how they really want and who they are and what's what they they expect and well that's i would say uh one of the things that made us stand up and m- maybe many people don't know but Paraswap has been running till uh we closed this first round with one person so it was literally only me doing the whole oh. thing from back end front end and all this all this thing versus teams who are like the more huge yeah 12 uh, 20 people and i think uh, you have to be always creative when you don't have resources so uh when you have right now i mean we, are, we feel more comfortable we can move much faster but when you don't have this means like the funds and, and manpower uh, you get to be very creative but i think the asset that you will always have is the community that can help help you a lot on on moving fast and cutting a lot of ways that you may, you may you may you may you may make uh for hiring i would say that this is my biggest challenge so i can i can confess that it's not really easy because um we want people who can be the best i mean uh, the first hires what i was looking for was who are who are these people who can be better than me who can do uh, i was like front-end developer i need yeah. to bring people who are better front developers uh back-end product and all of those i'm always looking for people who are better they can do the job better than what i do but now i need to match the team i would say skills and they are so good that they are giving me a hard time finding good people. I mean, it's, it's a good problem to have, but it's making, making hiring a bit, a bit slow. But when we hire someone, we are really, really good. Uh, one of the things I look is passion. So I get to interview some people who are really clever, but I didn't feel this enough passion of mm. building uh, cool things of taking hard challenges and so on. So that I would say, uh, one of the key points I'm looking for is this person can be very passionate because Right now, crypto is doing very well. I mean, everyone is happy, but uh, downturns can come at any time. So they will come. We are in the beer market tomorrow. It will come. So will these people stay enthusiastic because uh, what's their motivation? Why they are here? If it's just about uh, money or making multiples, it's not really going to make it because this is crypto. I mean, uh, we can be down uh, 90% tomorrow. Uh, but if the passion is to build something valuable that has impact, uh, this is, I would say, what you, uh,
0: what I I love that. I love that, and and that passion. I feel like I love seeing that, and that's almost one of the reasons I miss going to to physical like Bitcoin conferences because you meet people who are so passionate, but also like hungry. I like to say like I just want to meet people who just want to be like me when I was twenty years old, and I looked at the world and said, I I want to go and 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 you know, the world doesn't owe you anything. You have to go out and take what you want and build your empire. So when I meet people that's that, that I could see that just say like, look at obstacles as just, you know, interruptions in the way of the ultimate goal of being able to be like financially, emotionally secure and just have that empire. Uh, like those people, are the ones that I want on my train Munir, thank you so much for coming on untold stories today and, and actually blowing my mind to the fact that you were just you running this thing before you guys raise money and everything. And that should be inspiring to every listener of the show. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Great being here, John.